Are you my servant? I'm Mrs. Medlock's servant. And she's Lord Craven's. But I'll be doing the housemaid's work up here. And waiting on you a bit. Waiting on me makes you my servant, then. You are strange. Hey, I know that. Mrs. Medlock gave me the place out to kindness to me mother. She said she could never have done it if there was a grand missus at Mistlethwaite. I'd likely never to be let out of the kitchens, and certainly not upstairs. Stop it! What are you doing? I thought all girls liked to be too. All right, all right, all right. Here we are. Oh. Welcome back to Novel Ideas of the Illiterati. We have decided to completely forego the whole podcast f format, and we're going to turn this into an exercise class. So if everyone, wherever you're at, get out of your bed, get out of your chair, we're going to start doing some jumping jacks. All right, every, everyone knows how to do some jumping jacks, right? Andrea, you ready? You ready for I'm some ready. jumping jacks, Andrea? All right, so everybody get out, get out of your chairs. We're doing some fucking exercises. <laughs> we're doing All right, so one, two... Three, four, five. Oh god, I'm getting worn out already. Oh, Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, maybe maybe exercise class was a bad idea. I don't know. Exer exercise kind of stupid. I don't know. I don't know why we, why anyone would ever ever actually do it. It's, you know, seems, I lied. Bad. I was sitting down the whole time. You, bitch. <laughs> I mean, how dare you? Now we see. Now we see how Michael talks to me. You guys have proof. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, all right, exercise class with bad idea. I guess we'll just go back to our normal format. Uh, welcome, gosh. everyone. Yes, welcome. To another installment of Why Do I Spend My Time Listening to This. As we're sitting here comfortably, you have your tea ready, Michael? I got, my, I got my tea. It's nice. It's nice and warm. It's making me feel better. I've been sick this past week. I know you were too, so the tea's always good. I don't know what's been happening this week. And then, you know, the magic. The magic in the secret garden is what restored our health. The magic in everything that we do. The magic of getting exercise. The magic of ZZZ quail. That's true. That's probably the most most magical thing. It's it's a fucking potion. That shit's a straight up potion. I took like I literally took two cups of it last night. Passed out. Woke up feeling fresh as can be. People keep talking about like you know doing exercise to make yourself feel good. Nah, just take that ZZZ quill and. It, All right, uh, for people outside of New Zealand, <laughs> that's just what we call Z quill. <laughs> Not like Michael and I are from New Zealand. We just, you know, we're stealing over some of the, the parlance from our friends before we inevitably just quit our lives and move over there. We'll, we'll, we'll move to New Zealand when we, when we actually go through Lord of the Rings. That sounds like a good idea. Perfect. But yeah, so today we're talking about a children's book called The Secret Garden. Uh, 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 but we're talking about a children's book written by a female author, Frances H. Yeah. Burnett, because it is Women's Month. We might have messed that up at the end of last episode in terms of what we were doing next, but it's Women's Month, so we're covering female authors this month. And uh, since we are 
at, at this moment, we're, we're sort of we're taking back certain things we said in past podcasts. Um, I would like to mention <laughs> that Billy Crystal isn't dead. I mentioned that Billy Crystal <laughs> might have died in, in uh, the, the Princess Bride episode, and I want to apologize to Billy Crystal and his family and everyone else. He's very much alive, and we're all thankful for that. Oh, yeah, and since we're doing Corrections Corner, when, I, when we did the Pride and Prejudice episode, I called someone a scad and apologized because it's not a word. But then I realized later that I had mashed up scoundrel and cad, so I take back my apology. I, I want that word. I claim it. No, that's a good word. Keep that word. Thank you. <laughs> no, it's, a, it's a new word. We, you're, you're fucking Dr. Seussing it up in here. Yes! Okay. That's all I wanted. Secret Garden. A children's book written in 1911. And uh, for those who haven't read it, it is a interesting tale of a girl who is too full of herself, but then slowly becomes less full of herself because she met a boy who's even more full of himself. But then there's a secret garden, and the secret garden's got magic, which really is just them doing work to, to, to make the garden grow. But there's magic, and... Are we doing an actual summary, end, or is this going to be the summary? <laughs> this might be the actual... I mean, we could do a real summary. But then... But then uh, everything comes together. It's all peachy, peachy cool, and everyone lives happily ever after. The end. No, Michael, I love you, but this is the worst summary we've ever done. <laughs> all right, uh, you think you're better at it? Go ahead, go ahead, Andrea. Well, Mary is quite full of herself, but Mary is living in India with her parents because you know, once upon a time, the British just claimed India and thought that would be cool. Indefinitely. And then there is a cholera outbreak, and her mom never has time for her. She just parties. And her dad, they don't really say much about what he's doing. You know, he's an officer, if that's right. Mm -hmm. The whole household just dies, and people forget about this child. You know, the, the servants that don't die flee, and she's just alone in this house. Some soldiers happen upon the house and go, oh shit, there's a child here alone. <laughs> and she gets shipped back off to England to go live with her uncle and his, and his huge, beautiful, massive hundred room, a hundred unused room mansion. And she's kind of left to her own devices. She goes around exploring. A bird leads her to this sort of cluster in the gardens she can't get to, and that's how the whole idea of the secret garden comes about. She's hearing little bits and pieces from people that no one goes in there anymore, and then she also learns that her mom's twin, who was, I'm blanking on his name, Lord Craven's late wife, mm -hmm potentially died there and that's why no one goes there but she finds the key because she sneaks around and she finds a key and gets in the garden and meets Dickon 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 why can't I say that name Dickon. right now? Dickon Dickon like Charles Dickens I'm pretty sure she named him after Charles Dickens but I don't know why that was so hard just now All right her and Dickon Dickon kind of <laughs> shut up we're going to call him Dick Con for the rest of the episode. <laughs> it's like that stuff you rub on your forehead mm -hmm. for headaches. Yes. 
but Dick on. Okay, forget it. Anyway, her and Dickon bring this garden back to life. It's flourishing. It's thriving. She also is listening to this wailing around the house for a long time, and all the servants are like, that's nothing. It's the wind. Because, you know, people think kids are stupid. But she goes around exploring and finds out there's just this little boy. This little bedridden boy who is Lord Craven's son, and he's allegedly crippled, and he stays in, inside all day and is a miserable brat. And they, as Michael did say, out-brat each other at several different points. And one day they're just like, let's go outside together. And she's telling him about the garden. And so he goes outside. He's feeling better. They're pulling him along on this really pimp deck chair, wheelchair combination. And holy shit, he can walk. He's learning how to walk. And basically, long story short, he wasn't that sick in the end. And his dad comes home, sees his son alive and healthy and happy, and the end. The English really love their gardens. Was that okay? can change the life. (laughs) (laughs) That should be the tagline. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yeah, we watched the 1993 movie. Which, you know, the, mm-hmm. there was a there was a there was one that came out last year, and I caught little clips of it, and I really wish we watched it because, oh boy, uh, I didn't hear great uh, things. Oh, I mean, I I just only saw like I li- like because apparently the whole thing's like free on YouTube, and I just went in and just like clicked at random spots, and one this. It obviously was designed, like, the set was designed, obviously, by someone who's used to doing a stage set. Like, it would look fine uh. for a stage set. But everything just felt so play, like, like, and which is really jarring on film, unless you're someone like Wes Anderson, who knows how to make play sets look pretty cool on camera. But, and then, like, the children actors were just, like, basically... I feel like they were reading off of cue cards, and <laughs> oh jeez, it well, it it would have been great if we watched that because we uh, I would have probably shat so much over on it, but yeah, the nineteen ninety three one was actually uh was pretty was pretty good. I enjoyed it for the most part. It's a it's a good adaption. I from what from what I can think. Um, yeah, I mean, I didn't think the changes were too crazy. There were a few that didn't quite make sense to me. Right. But all in all, it was very beautiful. And, you know, it was a nice, lovely soundtrack. And the kid actors really did a good job. Yeah, I usually don't like kid actors or or stories that focus too much on, like, that. Like, they were pretty young. Like, I'm pretty sure the girl actually was, like, at least, like, 10, 11. Like, like the actual character and she was really good like it, yeah. like she there was like only one time that i felt felt that like maybe she was uh acting too far was when she gets really upset with martha at one point um, yeah. early on and she just sort of like starts like banging on the walls and i'm like like uh, i don't really i don't really know i'm not really feeling it here but everyone was great like her martha was great martha played a great little uh 
cutesy, silly maid girl. Dick Con. <laughs> he was great. Jesus. <laughs> Dick Con was great. <laughs> and the kid that played Collins, he, uh, he, he did a, he, I think he played that. Colin was really the well. star of the show to me. Yeah. He really killed it. And of course, you know, you get you get a uh, good old Maggie Smith, good old Professor McGonagall just uh popping in and out. Which I've gotta say, and this is something when watching this film, I, I, I wonder if Maggie Smith has the most instances of playing characters that are just happening to be waiting at, at doorways while other <laughs> characters are trying to come through. <laughs> Because that happened quite a bit in this, but I was, I was like, that happened a lot in Harry Potter, too. <laughs> like, I'm like, I'm, I wonder, like, is that just like, it's, it's like we need, we need, we need someone, an actress to play. Uh, so these characters keep on running through doors, and we need someone that's going to stop them. Maggie Smith, first one that comes to mind. So, well, Harry Potter in general was teachers doing jump scares on the children, for the most part, mm-hmm. when they're snaking around. But, yeah. So... About this movie, things I thought were really cool. Um, it is primarily shot, you know, I mean, it's entirely shot in England. They ha- found some different ruins to shoot some of these locations on. Like, I really love the kind of half-collapsed brick walls in the garden. It was pretty yeah. stunning. And apparently they made that garden for the movie. Uh, okay, I was curious. I, I didn't know if it was already a thing or if it was like something they had to make. And that's pretty, that's pretty dope. It's a beautiful ass garden. Yeah. I mean, it's in the title. They couldn't really skimp on the garden, you know. <laughs> That's true. I wonder who got paid more, the the gardener or Maggie Smith for 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 this movie. Probably the gardener. There's so there's like so much flora. They had to have a it. team. There's no way. Yeah. I don't know. I thought it was all done by Dickon and and uh, Mary. Oh. oh, oh, Miss Mary, so contrary. <laughs> So, okay, let's talk about Mary, arguably mm-hmm. protagonist. Yeah, I guess I you think can say that. I think my biggest issue with this movie, which is otherwise, again, very pleasant, super wholesome movie, very pure. There's a lot of, like, shots of sheep that made me happy. Just, like, a lot of just really cute boss and stuff, like, <laughs> and little goats, you know? I, I enjoyed that, but... My biggest issue is at the start of the movie, it's this earthquake and fire happening. Yes. And Mary's yes. just hiding under the bed and that's how her family dies, which I guess it, they thought would be more exciting to show on a screen. But to me, that's part of why like her character's so sympathetic from the get-go is like everyone's dying of cholera, which takes a while and still no one checks on her, you know? Yeah, exactly. And... I mean, I guess they did it to just speed it up, which I don't think was completely necessary. Uh, you could literally start it off like, you know, there's a cholera outbreak. Your parents aren't able to come see you. Like having like one of the servants say that or something. And then it's just sort of like you just see people slowly dying. I don't know. And maybe you don't it's, even maybe have it's too to... much for a young audience. I don't really know. No, but... like movies have worked around that in the past where they just show someone in bed and they kind of show like time lapsing with like shadows on the floor. And next thing you know, they're like, oh, it's been weeks. You've just been alone in this room. Mm-hmm. Like you wouldn't have to do that much. Yeah. Have a calendar flip by real quick on the wall. <laughs> 
But then you wouldn't get a shrieking elephant. So you know something bad's happening. <laughs> but you guys, there's nothing sadder than a shrieking elephant. That's I get that, that kind of hurt my heart a little bit. I know, right? I was like, why was the elephant shrieking? There wasn't an earthquake in real life. What y'all do to that elephant? I know. Uh, yeah, I, 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 that is a weird choice. They also, because if I'm if I'm remembering this correctly, after they come find her, she then gets taken to, I guess like a orphanage for a little bit or someone else's house, and that's where like the kids are like picking on her. Yeah. And whatnot, which they sort of did the picking on a little bit as she's like at the uh, at the train station. But, like, all you hear is them once going through the, oh, Miss Mary, so contrary, how does your garden grow? Sort of tease. Yeah. Kids suck, huh? Yeah, but it didn't feel like these kids were really picking on them. If if anything, it was more the uh, Maggie Maggie Smith's character, Miss Madlock, and uh, the the guy who was calling out names. The adults Um, were savage, dude. (laughs) Yeah, they were they were making fun of her looks. I know. Like, what the fuck? She's a child. Like, right in front of her. Oh yeah, her mother was beautiful. It's it's a shame she uh, she didn't get that. Well. And then he's like, maybe oh. she'll grow into it yeah. one day, Miss Madlock. And Maggie Smith is like, I don't see how unless she changes drastically. <laughs> oh, I wonder what's gonna happen in this film. <laughs> And that's the other thing. The movie made her way brattier than she was in the book. Like, the whole temper tantrum. Like, in the book, she's kind of just quiet. Right. And they kind of touch upon that in the movie where they're like, oh, she doesn't talk a lot. I'm like, you're a stranger that just walked up to her and then you're immediately shit-talking what she looks like. What is she supposed to say to you? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, and it goes into it in the book why she, she doesn't talk a lot because she's just not used to it because she's in India and all of the their servants are are Indian and they don't know the language don't they they don't know English and she doesn't know um, Hindi I'm assuming is what they were speaking and it, it makes sense why 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 she, she's not used to having conversations with people she's also not used to having kids around her age because there was no one there was like no one around them where they were in where their house was in India so she just constantly grew up alone and had no brothers and sisters and her parents were i guess sick constantly with cholera well no her mom was like throwing party can i just say her mom sucked and i'm glad she's dead she was just like mm-hmm. throwing parties never came to see her yeah that's true so no the character is way more sympathetic in the book like the but the girl i think played it really well like she she still she did a great job, and if there's anything in this entire film that I want besides that garden is uh, that girl's hat, <laughs> a little slouch beanie. Oh, really yeah, I loved it. And, oh, speaking of the boat scene, so I thought it was pretty hilarious that Francis Ford Coppola is attached to this movie because the music, <laughs> when they get off the boat, sounded so much like Godfather music. That first second, I was like, wait a second, what are we watching here? But um, it was good. Like, it was a good soundtrack throughout. It was just like, okay, you've borrowed some of these music styles for movies. 
God, imagine if Francis Ford Capella directed this. There'd be like F-bombs everywhere. There'd be like people getting shot. It would have been glorious. Um, What What did Francis Ford Coppola do? Um, Godfather? No, no, no. I mean, that's why the name came up in the credits for this movie. And then that music. He was an executive producer. There we go. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Cool. He was an executive producer. I know Francis Ford Coppola did The Godfather. God. I, I'm not... No, I mean, you were just like, what did he do? I was like, The Godfather. I mean, it's just, That's why I just mentioned yeah. the music, Michael. I know things. I, okay, okay. I'm not, I, I'm not trying to, like, shit. I wasn't trying to shit. I was just like, you know, The Godfather. Um, <laughs> do you remember any other instances of drastic changes? Not drastic. I mean, they made... Um, Maggie Smith's character, Mrs. Medlock, a lot meaner. She slaps yeah. Martha for no reason and then locks Mary up in her room, which I don't think happens in the book. No, which I did like how she, it was like literally in that scene in the movie, she locks her up and instantly Mary's like, all right, I'm going to walk through this door that she somehow knew was there. Because I don't think she's gone through that door before. So to that's she just the did. audience. Did she? When she first went exploring, like she first gets to the house and okay. Miss Madlock's like, don't go anywhere. And she immediately goes exploring, which you're like, good for you. And that's oh, when yeah. she like found the room that was the dead, the late Miss Craven. Mm-hmm. And the key, the key. The key, the key to the garden. And I mean, I, I get, I guess... I don't know. In the book, there was a lot more stuff with the with the Robin too, mm-hmm. um, which I get why they couldn't do it because they would have had to have trained one. But and already, I was impressed by how well they were able to shoot some of the animals and the bird they did have in the movie. The yeah, yeah. Um, well, the crow, I think it was it a crow or a raven that was on Dick Con's shoulder. The crow named Soot. <laughs> yes. Which, I mean, crows are super smart, so I'm mm-hmm. assuming that crow was trained. And one thing, that's, that's where uh, I kind of actually do want to see the 2020 version. Because that's one thing, like, I was watching this and I was like, so much of this stuff would be CGI'd in today's movies like parts of the garden would have been cgi'd the 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 all the animals would have been cgi'd yeah and it's just i like seeing real animals on film uh i hate i hate seeing cgi animals like uh like for an like this slightly different i mean just to talk about on cgi animals one of the film that i absolutely love Three billboards outside of uh, Missouri, Ebbing, Missouri. Great movie. There's a, there's a, yeah, great film. Fucking love it. But there's a scene where uh, Francis McDormand's character sees a deer, but the deer is clearly composited on, into it and CGI'd, and it threw me out, and I was just like, why? Why didn't you just get a shot of a real deer or something and composite it in? It's it's very weird seeing this, I said, but yeah, but I I really appreciate that everything is, you know, a real set. There's I 
don't think there was CGI at all. There's, I think you could, I'm pretty sure you already mentioned it. The great time lapses of of uh, the flowers growing. I really liked that one where uh, it was like the first plant that they planted in the garden, and then like you see the roots grow in the soil. Yeah, I loved that. That was great. I I loved it. Yeah, it's a very beautiful movie. And I remember specifically there's one shot where Colin, when he's first in the garden, and he's laying down on this blanket, and there's, like, the baby deer next to him. There's just something very beautiful about the way that shot looked. And, yeah, Mm -hmm. all the real animals were precious, like, little bunnies, like, and especially that one goat that was chasing them around whenever they would be pulling him on that chair. It was just, yeah, so cute. Like, it must have been... Um, watch, I watched this with some friends and Emily pointed out how much fun it should have, it must have been for all the kids on the set, which is very true. I mean, they just got to hang out in a pretty garden and hang out with some animals all day. Like, I wish I had that. <laughs> yeah, that's the dream. Uh, speaking of Dickon and, and animals, the first, <laughs> this is it's just one thing that I noticed. It's, it's like, it literally has nothing to do with anything, but when Mary first is chasing him because like he's like watching her or whatever and she notices and then like there's the there's the horse that he hops on. Yeah. He hops onto that and it's a really tiny horse, but then it, it cuts back to Mary and then it cuts to him further off and it's clearly a, <laughs> a, a, an adult on a on a larger horse <laughs> further <laughs> off. <laughs> Just riding up awesome. like oh yeah, we go. because I mean it, he probably really didn't know how to actually ride the horse or the horse wouldn't gallop fast enough. So it it was clearly an adult on on a on a larger white horse and to me I just got a chuckle out of it. <laughs> And I didn't like the way they did that. So that's the thing. Like, I feel like some changes were made just to add a bit of, like, drama to the whole thing. Like, yes. you know, Madlock I mean, slapping Martha and the whole earthquake. But that scene, too, where, like, I think she just finds... Well, first of all, she hears about Dickon for Martha for a while before. And she's aware of her whole family. Whereas in this one, is just some random boy she's chasing. And there's this, like, weird... Yes intrigue about it for no reason mm-hmm. well to be fair i understand why they needed to add these these uh i guess problems you can call them i guess like if we're talking about story structure here's the here's the problems like the, here, here's stuff that that causes uh the the protagonist to have to sort of backtrack and rethink things a little bit because the story, the the story itself really doesn't have much of a story structure. It's pretty much straight, going from the worst possible thing happening: her parents die, and now she's completely alone. She moves into this place and uh, and whatnot, and then it's just it's just it's basically a gradual lift up to. It's just like a gradual climax the entire time for the book. Yeah. Where in, 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 in film, you can't really do that. And really you can't, I'd argue you really can't do that much in, in books either. It works because it's a children's book, but there, there really is no story structure. And in, in a way, and this is something when I was reading this, I was trying to figure out 
what the actual story was. Like, I mean, I get, I get what the story is. It's, it's like, you know, she's like, like we've went through it, but there's no underlining factors that are really affecting the characters beyond Collins claims to be really ill. He's been locked away and Mary's just like, Hey, come to this garden with us. And that's pretty much it. And then they start doing a bunch of exercises for like five chapters. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what I'd like to think is Francis, the author, like had trouble getting her own kids to play outside or her friend did and was like, please write a story about kids playing outside and why it's important because I'm getting real sick of these shits being inside all day. <laughs> and that inspired the whole thing. Um, that's what I'm hoping. I'm probably way off, but that's okay. No, I think you're absolutely right. Like the entire story when we're when looking at the book, because the because the movie doesn't really go into like the whole exercise stuff, where they meet they meet that uh, was it a friend of Dickens or was it a friend of the gardener? A friend who, of Dickens, like, was, yeah. Yeah, Dickon. Sorry, I was saying his name wrong. Dickon, <laughs> not Dickens. Um, uh, it's they, so there's like the, they they start lear learning to do these exercises, and that's where uh, Colin is, you know, really getting stronger. He's feeling better. He's able to walk. Um, so you don't have that in the movie, which is completely justified because I don't really know how you could make that interesting. Uh, without some sort of problematic thing happening. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I did love their little, like, fire rituals. It reminded me mm -hmm. of, like, the scene mm -hmm. in uh, Dead Poets Society where they're just, like, chanting stuff. And, like, I love... My favorite little detail is, like, as the kids are going around the fire chanting, the gardener's, like, he's, like, getting into it. You can see he's, like, kind of, like, moving his arms. <laughs> Mm -hmm. <laughs> they literally have a straight up seance in order they to like, make make Mr. Craven uh, feel good and come back home. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, also, I, I guess in a way, like the story is also really about depression and how it can take hold of people and trauma really, really can affect people and linger way too long. And sometimes you just need a, a, a tiny... 10-year-old girl who also has her own traumatic experiences to, to come help make a garden. And that's True. all you need. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's that too, like the gardener, when he first sees her in the garden, he's like such an asshole to her. Where he's like, I knew you were nothing but trouble and like you would be sticking your nose in business that isn't yours until, you know, Colin comes around. He's like, hey, chill, I'm here. We want to be here. Yeah. Leave it. Leave us alone. Don't tell anyone our secret. But like the adults are just really mean. <laughs> yeah, like maybe it. I don't know. Like I can't like imagine any adult really acting this way. And maybe it's, you know, that you're writing for a child, and in a way, sometimes children don't understand why they're not allowed to do things. So adults can come off meaner than they actually are when there's good reasons for it. Even though, in this story. There really isn't any reason that it's a fucking one. It's a fucking mansion with all of this 
land to run around. Let the kids be kids. Yeah. So. And what a beautiful house. Like you mentioned earlier, I want to visit wherever this was filmed and win the lottery and buy it. I don't know. But it was stunning. Well, if Mary can steal a garden, we can steal that house. <laughs> True. I believe in us. Mm-hmm. I believe in the magic. <laughs> and also, so what's interesting is, well, we'll be covering Jane Eyre later this month, and I don't want to spoil things, but there was this sort of, I guess, thing books used to do, like how the kids are doing the seance, and it makes... Archibald Craven have this really vivid dream where his wife is calling him to the garden. Mm-hmm. Um, and you kind of get that scene in Jane Eyre where a character, I'm not going to spoil anything, but a character's calling out to another one and they're like, I could hear you, I could hear your voice, like in the wind. So there's like this interesting sort of like spiritualism to novels. Yes. I, I wonder if Francis got a... Uh some inspiration from Jane Eyre for that and also for having Colin being hidden behind the walls. That's true. So, like, I was, like, straight up, I was like, this is this is basically Jane Eyre, but with a little boy. And <laughs> not as creepy, but maybe that's just what people did back in the day. Maybe they just locked people behind door, behind walls. Maybe that's just... Maybe that's a thing. Well, they would hide... Like, especially women that were pregnant out of wedlock, they would get sent away um, Mm -hmm. to a different, you know, town or a different country to have, like, the baby in private. So, like, people were tucked away for, like, shame. And, yeah, having a sick child was probably not in fashion. Yeah. Because, like, you could see all the servants gossiped about it. And, like, it got spun out of proportion where they thought he was, like, this hunchback with crooked legs. See, okay, so I want to dive into that a little bit. Because some of the servants did see him. Yeah, so it doesn't make sense. Yes, like, so... How is it that this boy supposedly has a hunchback and no one, not even the fucking doctor, like, decides to check his back? (laughs) And be like, yo, shit, this is a normal back, yo. Yo, this is a normal back, it's straight. (laughs) Yo, this is a normal back. There ain't nothing bad here. (laughs) And then, like, it's for fucking ten years. For ten years they did this. <laughs> for ten years, no one decided to check his back, but they're like, hey, this kid's got a hunchback. <laughs> and then the same thing, it's like, oh, he can't walk. Oh, yeah, he can. We could have just, you know, actually taught the kid how to walk, you know. Well, look, on. to be fair, medicine's come a long way. I can see that people probably let superstition guide perception of illness but yeah i mean people regularly dressed and undressed this kid so at least the hunchback shit should have been cleared up (laughs) right that but like i don't know it's like the late 1800s i feel like that point medicine like medicine isn't to what it is today but it's there's less superstitions at that point in medicine than than before like i would say like yeah yeah maybe if it was like the 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 1400s or or like the, the the early 900 BC, I could see that you know, fucking basically straight up witch doctors were, were was what was going on. But medicine, like act, there was actual real practice. People actually went to school for it, and I don't know, I don't know. 
It's weird to me. And also, like, if this kid hadn't walked for ten years, he he, he yeah he wouldn't actually be able to walk. He he like it would have taken like probably a whole year for that kid to actually learn how to walk to gain the muscles in order to to be able to do anything. Well, I guess like in the book it takes. I want some goddamn realism in my books. Oh my god. Well, yes. Okay, let's uh, let's get a child and keep them bedridden for ten years, so we can accurately depict how long it would take for that child to Perfect. walk. Perfect. I'm gonna tell him every day. You have a fucking hunchback, kid. You got a hunchback, and no one likes you. Amazing. We're gonna do it for psychology and science. <laughs> oh God. But yeah, like in the book, it does take some months, I guess. There, you know, it t- the whole thing is taking months and they're tending to the garden and the garden has to grow. But in the movie, it kind of happens a bit more quickly where they're just like, I think it's like one of the first times they're in the garden. He's just like being passed between the two of them. And he's like, look, I'm walking. <laughs> <laughs> I think he was secretly walking all along. I think he was lying to everyone for attention. This kid knew. Oh, I mean, he did seem like that kind of a kid. <laughs> Where, what was it? It's like straight up when, when Mary's there like the first time. I can't remember if it's in the book, but I know it's in the movie. He's like, fluff my pillows. Well, what the fuck, kid? And you know, it makes sense. Like, Because I think one of the big themes of this book is also how much kids do need their parents. So that kind of bonds he and Mary that she didn't get attention from her parents and he's probably thinking like if the louder he yells his dad might come see him which is really sad but there's no yeah. like incentive for him to get better because he doesn't have anything to look forward to mm-hmm. but in classic until his cousin comes Eng- mm-hmm. and he's got a crush on her <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I mean, they're ten. Who cares? I mean, mm-hmm. I had crushes on, I had a crush on a like third cousin of mine when I was younger. So, I mean, that's how whatever. kids are. Yeah, yeah. You see, a, you see a an attractive person of whatever sex you like, and then uh, and then she reminds really you of your mother. You know? Oh no, <laughs> not for me. Oh no, but you know what yeah, I mean. Yeah. Like he, his mom's dead and. Here, but Mary he never, comes in. But he never met his... Oh, I guess he has the pictures, doesn't he? Yeah, he's got the picture. Yeah. Okay. All right. I was about to say, I'm like, he never really saw her, but I guess there was the picture that he keeps hiding behind a curtain because she smiles too much, which, you know, when Mary <laughs> said, how can someone smile too much? No, there are people that can smile too much. There are. And, and I am on board with Colin. If you smile too much, <laughs> you go behind a curtain. Michael, I think I need to come over to your place and look behind all the curtains and see how many people you've hidden away for various reasons. <laughs> oh, you don't, you, you don't want to know. I have curtains everywhere. <laughs> how many wives have you gotten married to and just kidnapped? <laughs> you, you, you behind this curtain. Don't check. Don't ever leave this curtain. Go, you go behind this curtain. It's all good. It's all good. And uh, you're wailing. It's, it's totally fine. It's soothing to my ears and helps me fall asleep. Some people have ocean sounds. Michael has people wailing. (laughs) Yeah. But, you know, um, the funny thing is, it did inspire me. So I was watching this with friends on Discord, and then I was like, you know what? I need to go outside 
this movie's made me feel like such a shut-in, and I was kind of uh, streaming to them my walk, <laughs> which was really fun, but I was like, I haven't been outside in a minute, and so yeah, if you're looking for good motivation to step outside, oh my god, and speaking of, okay, I don't know how we keep accidentally picking movies that are oddly relevant to today. Because first it was the Princess Bride and the mask, and he's like, everyone will be wearing them in the future. And then there were so many masks in this movie, because everyone's super careful around Colin. Yeah, exactly. And in a way, really, this is the most relevant book we've done so far, since both of us were sick. And then we got better. We and got better. In a, way, in a way, we're kind of like Colin. And I am going to start throwing a fit until my brother comes and fluffs my pillows. <laughs> and you know what? You better come fluff my pillows. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? Like, not to get, you know, I'm going to get crass with listeners here for a second. But I, I had basically like a food poisoning thing that lasted about 48 hours. And I finally went to the bathroom and it wasn't diarrhea. And it felt like the first time in 10 years for me, too. So that was really good. <laughs> Oh, Miss Andrea, full of diarrhea. <laughs> Teach us something, please. <laughs> How does your bathroom look? Uh. <laughs> With candles and toilet paper and Febreze all in a row. Oh, gosh. Okay. Anyway, cut that out. <laughs> no, we're keeping that. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much the story. <laughs> I mean, there's not, like, a lot, unfortunately. Um, no. It's, like, it's not a complex story. It's very simple. Like, it's, like, that's one thing, like, I was, like, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I kind of wish, like, I, I know we're doing, we, we, we messed up, and we were, like, oh, it's actually Women's Month. I kind of, I'm looking forward to Children's Month next month because I want to sort of compare this to other children's stories and see the complexity of of those stories because like I think what we consider media for children has evolved I mean you know especially Coraline we're going to be covering that and Neil Gaiman I think treats young readers with more of a capacity for handling difficult spooky subjects and Oh, yeah. I mean, that's what most stories back in the day were. Yeah. Like, most most fairy tales... Like, we went through, like, some of those fairy tales, but, like, all of the stories for kids were scary. It's because it's, it's sort of teaching you that life isn't just peachy, peachy clean all the time, and it's, uh, it's a dark and scary place. Yeah. So... And, you know... If you look at even where a lot of nursery rhymes and all of that come from, they've got a lot of dark backstories. Pockets full of posy, ashes, ashes, we all fall down. Yo, they all fucking died. <laughs> yeah, bubonic plague right there. Yeah. In case no one knew. There's I actually did bridges a falling down, falling down, <laughs> falling down. <laughs> Who the fuck makes a nursery rhyme out of that? <laughs> it's catchy, though. It's like making a fucking nursery rhyme about the World Trade Center. Like, what the Whoa. fuck? I mean, you, you know, would do, no, 
<laughs> no, really, that's it's the same thing. Like London Bridge falling down, and like a bunch of people died. Like people died from the bubonic plague. It's like making one about COVID. Yeah, I was seeing COVID a- came and hit your town. Stay inside. <laughs> stay inside. <laughs> There was a TikTok I saw recently, too, about um, this lady's, like, going around and she's singing, it's raining, it's pouring, the old man is snoring, you know, and he mm-hmm. sits up and bumps his head and wakes up in the morning, and, like, her alter ego's like, I want you to think about what you just sang, because the actual lyrics are, he sat up and bumped his head and didn't wake up in the morning, and then she's just like, are you serious? And she's crying because the old man's dead. <laughs> 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 I mean, ugh. I always like the same thing with uh, the itsy bitsy spider. It always made me sad. He's just trying to get on with his day, and he's just going up this pipe, and he gets washed back down. He did all this hard work, and now he's like just drained down into like sewage or somewhere. It's not fair. You know, spiders have always gotten a rough deal. They eat flies and mosquitoes for you. Like, treat them better, you know. Oh, I love spider. I'd never kill a spider unless it's, like, obviously a really poisonous one. But I love spiders. They're my friends. They're my bros. They tell me stories in the night. I only get creeped out if they're on me. I've killed a lot of them instinctively because I'm like, why are you touching me? Because then I'm afraid, Mm -hmm. like, they know me now. They're going to seek me out. They're going to come attack me in my sleep. Yeah. I've always wanted a pet tarantula. Same. Well... Well. You got anything else? No, that's it. All right, I guess that's it for The Secret Garden. It's good. I mean, you know, watch it. If well, I would say watch it. I mean, if you want to read, a, read the book, I mean, it'll, it'll probably make you feel bad for not exercising enough. But the book's fine. The movie, it's, if anything else, the cinematography is quite beautiful. And like we've mentioned, the acting's pretty damn good. Yeah. Even though all the adults apparently really hate kids. <laughs> um, It'll inspire you to get some fresh air, start your own garden. Mm-hmm. And then uh, it'll also encourage you to lock little boys behind walls. <laughs> but So that's, uh, that's this one. And uh, what are we doing next week, Andrea? Which one are we doing next week? We, uh, I'm fine with either... I was thinking the bell jar. Oh, yeah, let's get real, real dark. This la- the Secret Garden wasn't dark enough. We needed, a, we needed to really cry some tears. Yeah, we go from sad children to sad adults. Everyone's sad all the time. Yeah, so The Bell Jar by Sylvia Plath. It's, a, believe it or not, actually got turned into a film. And uh, we're going to check and see if, uh, how well that adaption goes. So... And be prepared for me to talk a lot about Sylvia Plath because I absolutely love her. So I'm going to be going into bits of her life. And obviously she's a, a masterful poet. So we'll have a lot to talk about next week. Get ready for me to constantly sing the song by The Antlers. Oh, nice. Sylvia, get your head out of the oven. Wow. Go back to screaming and yelling and playing again how nobody loves you. We're getting a lot of you yelling, this one. <laughs> I don't know, I'm in a good mood. I think it's a... Uh... When Michael's in a good mood, he wants to scream at people. 
<laughs> but musically. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Uh, it's nice being in a good mood for once. Keep it going. And uh, thanks for joining everyone. Read a fucking book. Read the bell jar. Mm-hmm. Read the bell jar. Cry a few tears with us. And uh, come listen to our... Uh, us, us, us try to talk about it while sobbing next week. <laughs> Can they do it? No one knows. <laughs> thanks again, everyone. And uh, we'll, we'll see you then. Goodbye. Wait, what, what is it? Wait, shit, what is it? What is it that, uh, what do they say? What, do they, what, what, what is it? What, do, what is it that you say when, when you're done speaking to people? I have spoken. All depart. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> you're here. The magic worked. Let me show you.